Ready. When we are ready, we are ready. We're ready. I think we're back. Whether the weather is cold, cold. or whether Ooh, the weather is hot. hot, whether the weather be fair or whether the weather be not. Oh, I never heard that. Well, part. Whether the weather, whatever the weather, whether we like it or not. Yes. <laughs> I've always heard it will be together, whatever the weather, whether we like it or not. That's romantic. Or not. I, it's not, though. Or awful. Right. Oh, God. We'll just be <laughs> together. Can you imagine? Man. Right? Thank God for divorce and shit oh anyways hi welcome welcome to for your tmi we are here for your tmi and i'm here with my podcast wife caitlin doherty and i'm here with my podcast wife louisa collins and we're here to introduce this week's episode all right i'm gonna stop talking like that i'm enjoying the different voices though for some reason the announcer voices Yeah, yeah yeah plus like a little bit of like the not quite operatic but like theatrical it feels mm-hmm. very on brand for our uh, our guest this week <laughs> okay oh true so who's our guest this week Kate? yeah so let me tell you about our guest this week our guest this week is how many times can i say that uh will shishmanian um and uh why are we interviewing will Louisa? oh we're interviewing will because he is writing a musical well he's written a musical he's just another rewrite of this musical about lesbian princesses and it's being released to high school students to produce themselves. Yeah, they're, uh, was I gonna say, they're putting it out. So, what was it? The schools and um, not just schools, but any kind of uh, theater organization will be mm-hmm. able to purchase the rights to the show to put it on. Yeah, and we, f- we felt it was important for us to promote because we want to get more inclusive LGBTQ content and art out there, especially to younger, younger peoples. Yeah, 100%. And, um, so, uh, oh, how we know Will. So I met Will um, through a friend uh, who, and Will is a, a Queens-based singer-songwriter slash performer. Yeah, and he's also a really lovely human being, we found yeah. out. Well, I you, found out. Yeah. You knew already. I knew, I knew. Will is that kind of person that you meet, and you're just like, you're so wonderful, and I just want to continue to be around you. So. I know, I feel like I'm his really good friend now just because I follow him on Instagram, even though I've only <laughs> met him the day that we did this interview. He is that kind of person. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, is there anything else we need to say about this? No, I think we can just jump in. All right. Enjoy, y'all. Enjoy. <laughs> Anyways. All right. We have Will with us today. We do. Yeah. Hey. Will Shishmanian. Nicely done. We're Thank so you. Perfectly proud of you. pronounced. Thank yes. You. <laughs> uh, Will is a musician. Uh Singer-songwriter, but also doing a lot of composition. Yes. Working on a musical theater piece at the yes. moment. Funded by Planned Parenthood. Yes. No big deal. is really interesting. Uh, I never knew Planned Parenthood funded art. Well, it's it's funded by this branch of Planned Parenthood called Out for Health. They do this. They do LGBT and sex ed education in the community. Um, this is based in Ithaca, New York, and they're modeling this after another Planned Parenthood who has who has funded a play. I want to say somewhere in the Midwest. I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, I was this was like years ago that I learned this information. But this is um, a show that I wrote in college that they, um, the woman who directs this program, Maureen Kelly, saw while we were in college, and then they funded it for us to do it off campus um, later that year. And then she reached out to me and said, you know, we really want to bring this show and this story, especially to high schools, and, and bring help bring the show to uh, to kids rather than than have people come to see it, especially in New York where it's not accessible for everybody. And when you say bring it to kids as in like get them the script and the score and yes. have them produce it yes. themselves. So we're having um, – I hopefully in December we're going to be releasing the project as um, like releasing the publishing or it's going to be published and people will be able to buy the performance rights mm. and we're also going part of the proceeds will go to a fund for people that want to put it on but don't can't afford it and then in my dreams we also have a touring cast that's able to come oh. so it's going to depend on like the interest and like and you know how much we have for our budget but um, I'm really excited to at least get it out there in the world so that we can help bring the roles to kids that don't always exist and not just have it be Broadway has one LGBT character right. that you can aspire to be if you make it like <laughs> we're not trying to throw any shade at rent but we kind of are a little bit I mean, <laughs> I mean I love rent I mean who doesn't but 
Louisa, probably. I, I don't like musical theater. <laughs> oh, well, thank you for having me on anyway. No. <laughs> I'm not against it. We forgive you. And a lot of people love it. So why would I be against it? Fair. Fair. There's so, definitely also like the classical musical theater era, yes. which I think a lot of people think instantly when you think musical theater. Yeah, that's, yeah. Which is not, I mean, so much of, so much of theater is not even that now we're like moving further away from that and like which is awesome yeah so i'm excited both to be doing this show which has like some rock elements and and some other stuff but still like strings and trumpet and stuff for the record i'm seeing book of mormon in a couple weeks okay oh congratulations i'm very happy for you um Um, but so tell us the name of your show we've talked about it but yeah so tell (laughs) us the mystery show um it's called addy and dahlia a fairy tale musical and it used to be called Lesbian Fairytale Musical, okay. and we've moved away for that from a couple of th- for a couple of different reasons. One, um, a lot of adult queer women who I know don't even identify as lesbians, mm-hmm. and that's one major audience. And we don't want to not be able to get into schools at all because of overprotective parents or like administration being like a lesbian, no. <laughs> yeah. So this kind of hopefully sneaks it under the radar. And honestly, like, I'm less interested in it being about labels. It's more about identity and self and love than, like, I am a lesbian. We don't even say lesbian in the show. Rather than about the label, it's more about opening up people's concepts of what love can be. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And, and, yeah, there's no reason to just to put labels on these characters who don't even label themselves throughout the show or to say that there can only be one lesbian fairy tale. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm really excited about the new name, Addie and Dahlia, which focuses on the women. And um, so why uh, target high schools? High school, I think partially because that, you know, reaching kids as they're coming out, which kids come out earlier. I I hear the argument all the time. How can you expect a 15 year olds to uh, know that they're gay or to even be thinking about that? Well, I think those arguments must come from people who aren't gay because or aren't LGBT at all because I definitely was already coming out the first time in high school. Yeah, just to... It, I wanna, it's an assumption that you don't have to uh, realize you're straight either is where yes. I think that right. And like, I've um, known that since I was a child that I wasn't straight. And like, I definitely have like a very like, yeah. quote, like male masculine energy. And like, I've known that since I was a child. But anyway, continue. So the first time you came out... Yeah, I mean, the first time I came out, it was I was 15 or 16 trying to figure it out. And honestly, if I had had the language and the knowledge of being trans, I probably would have come out as all trans. All at once? Well, all. yeah, yeah. It, like, I, I think I came out first as a lesbian when I was 16 because I think it's something we all do, despite your orientation, is kind of put off self identity things by focusing on other people and what other people think about us. Oh yeah. And it's easy for a few years to like, be like, yeah, I love women and I love like this lesbian culture and stuff and easier to focus on people finally finding me attractive, like in that identity, than have to spend the time thinking about my identity Mm -hmm. when I, you know, I grew up being like, I'm a boy and we, I, we just didn't talk about trans stuff the way that we're beginning to now and my parents were super, super accepting and always let me, you know, I was, quote, a tomboy, like, wore cargo pants, T-shirts, had very, very short hair. People mistook me, mistook, correctly identified me <laughs> as a boy all the time. Like, my mom would take me to the women's restroom and she, they'd be like, he's too old to be in here. He's, wow. he's, he's you know, be, stuff like that. She'd be like, that's my daughter. But, you know, now she's, she ended up, we're right all along, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. Weird stranger things. like Weird you know, stranger we, things. Right? Strangers were like, no, no, no. Like, that is that is definitely a boy. Right. Like, your yeah. child. And your mom's like, uh, like uh, no. And then 10 years later, you're like, mm, mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting. So one of my uh, best friends from uh, my childhood, she had a neighbor, um, like, from where the house where her parents still live, who they had a, uh, what's it called? A male child, like, biologically male child, who at the age of three in pre-K was like, nope, I'm a girl, and would get in line to go to the girl's bathroom. And, like, that kid to this is now a trans person or, like, a person who transitioned and said, like, yeah, like, no, like, I've known this since I was a child. Like, but... And not everybody does. People figure that out at all different times. But to to think that people in high school aren't already coming into their identities, sexual and gender identities, is usually coming from people who have been 
put the ch- the chains of gender and identity have been latched onto them for and, so long, and, and they identify as cis and straight. Right. So it's really far, and maybe they're only surrounded by cis straight people. So it's really far from their perception of life that right. someone could feel very very different. Right. Yeah. So now was so you said you wrote this play in college, or yes. you began writing it in college. Was your goal then to, uh, what's it called, to market it to high school students? No, my goal then was to try writing a musical, and I went to my book writer, Calvin, who is also a trans man. This was, we also both started this before we transitioned, which was part of why it was not weird for, like, two dudes to be like, let's write about lesbians. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I can't, we were literally at a party in his dorm room, I'm like, do you want to, like, write a, a lesbian fairy tale musical with me? And then it became the title, Temporarily. And I used it as my junior recital, my like elective junior recital project. That's so cool. So what what did that project look like? Um, the first time we did it was in a, a rehearsal room. I went to Ithaca College. Um, so we did it in one of the main rehearsal rooms that the chorus and, and the bands use. And we rented out mm, like this backdrop, like curtainy kind of backdrop things and just and set up risers for people to sit in. And basically got about 30 people to volunteer their time to go to re- come to rehearsals like five days a week um, actors and uh, s- at the time it was eight now it's a seven person pit but um, and then a small creative team director with a props person a couple stage managers and people I guess like since college have been just behind the show behind the music and behind the concept of it and I think that that energy just carried on past college and then Maureen from Planned Parenthood was like, no, we want to like bring this to more people and not have it just die a sad life on your laptop, <laughs> which is what had been Aww. happening. <laughs> so you've put this show on before, like you've produced yes. this show. And, and then so how Twice. did, okay. And so then how did Maureen, oh, what was the second time first? The second time was in downtown Ithaca at um, CSMA, which is uh, Community School of Music and Arts. So we did, once on campus at Ithaca College and then once downtown and now they're funding it again. And so far, we've done a four-song demo, which has four of four of what I think are the best songs that don't totally give the show away. Um, so people can take a listen and, and decide if they want to yeah. put on the whole show. How much reworking was there between the first and the second production? Um, between the first and the second production, I, I wrote one new song. One of, the feed, one of the pieces of feedback that I got um, was that people felt like they fell in love too fast, which oh. is kind of like a musical thing in general. Like yeah. you have... 90 or Shakespeare Shakespeare. like you have you have writing like Shakespeare and it is it is it's a Shakespearean like we're sending one princess over to your kingdom so that to soothe warring tensions like Ah, that's kind of the setup mm -hmm. of it so it is in this Shakespearean style but more contemporary now Uh, I'm really interested I'm like wait so a princess gets sent over to marry a prince but falls in love with a princess who's closeted okay let's not give too much away but I'm, I'm very interested now what's happening um Okay. Louisa is invested. I mean, we were already invested. Now I want to see it. Someone who's not into musicals is invested. That's like, now I'm, we got you. Well, that sounds cool. See? You don't hear about, like, Renaissance lesbians. We and we need to hear more about Renaissance lesbians. There was a uh, female painter during the Renaissance. Who... There were a lot, and I'm just yeah. learning about how there were so many Renaissance female painters. Yep. I don't know any of them. No, it's because they weren't men. Oh, they they had like men names. Are you saying? No, they weren't. <laughs> men. Oh, they were, they were not. So they were men. not given the time of day. Right. Well, That's even why. now they're not given the time of day. Right. Their works are out there. Are there in? <laughs> are they anywhere to be seen? Maybe uh, the Met has like three. Right. In like we'll a back out. room somewhere. Right. And it comes out. I hope like, they're in private collections. Like I hope there's a bunch of just like super dedicated collectors, and then maybe mm, they'll come out. Maybe, like, maybe we'll the start, art will come let's out. Let's start demanding it. The <laughs> let's art will start come demanding out. I want to use them as like backdrops for the <laughs> for the production. Yeah, that would be amazing. There's some, there's some really. There was uh, Domina Franco posted this mm-hmm. of a. Um, uh, there was a guy who had painted a scene of what was it? It's a Bible scene. Somebody, a woman cutting off some guy's head. Um, yes, and the, his there was a female who was studying under him who did the same painting, and her version is so much more real to the female experience because in his painting the woman is like, who's cutting off the head is kind of like, like leaning away from mm. the guy, and then the person who's supposed to be like, 
there with her is kind of like there's another woman in the scene and she's kind of just like on the other side of her kind of like leaning away as well but in the version that the woman did she's leaning in right and chopping off this guy's head and the other woman is holding the man down which seems more accurate right Right. (laughs) to chop especially if you're up if you're mad at him and you're killing him right you're not like there's some anger. Yeah. I mean, if you're murdering, there sh- I would imagine there's anger there, or like either that or like deep grief, or because Who of murders betrayal. without anger. I mean, oh, psychopaths, man. but yes, that's true. Beyond but, that, so funny story, real quick, just a quick tangent. We're going uh, on a tangent. It's a good this tangent. Is, we're gonna, I'm excited. Welcome so, to the parts we cut out. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good story, though. All right, go for it. So there was a doctor, Doctor who was a heart failure doctor, um, who came from this really big name hospital in Texas to my old hospital in Philadelphia, which is where I first became a nurse. That's where I was a baby nurse. And um, we found out after the fact that the reason he made this move was because of a divorce. And that divorce was because his wife found him cheating and she shot him in the (gasps) ass. No. (laughs) Yes. And she got off because it was a crime of passion. So she was not actually incarcerated for this. And Shout out to Texas for having a law like that. Wow. Whoa. Wow. It's such a good story. Even if we cut it, I don't care. (laughs) I'm just thinking about Texas culture now. It's okay. What about, oh man. I'm into that. All right. (laughs) All right. So, so you've done, so you did two productions yes. and in between you felt that they fell in love too quickly. Yes. So I wrote what became kind of my new favorite song, which is called something new because <gasps> I was like, Oh, I'm going to title the new song, something new. <laughs> this is stupid, but it is like a lyric in it. Um, You're so clever. Thank you so much. Um, which we actually have online right now, a demo video of it. It's the only song from the demo that we've released. Um, we have, uh, video from the recording process and uh-huh. the singer who is portraying Dahlia is the character's name. Uh, her, the singer's name is Janine Coletti, who is also an Ithaca grad. A lot of Ithaca grads are working on this. Um, and so that's kind of what we have out there first. So people can get a little taste of it. Um, where can people find it? They can find it right now. We can find it at, on Facebook at Addie and Dahlia. Yes. A fairytale musical, or on Instagram at Addie and Dahlia. Cool. There will be links in the show notes. Please look at the show notes. Out for Health is also going to be included in the show notes. Yes. Yeah. They're amazing. They they do a lot of great stuff. We obviously know Planned Parenthood for clinical stuff and healthcare, but there are especially for LGBT people. There's a whole other side that and, and stuff that's never even talked about in in like your health class in high school and stuff. Yeah. You know. I want to really bring attention to it, but then part of me is also like, no, because then the right-wing people will try to take that away, too. I know. But, <laughs> yeah, but for people who need resources, that's important to know. Because, it's super important. Because also, I don't know if a trans woman would think to go to Planned Parenthood. Yes. Because you think Planned Parenthood and you think birth control, abortion, you know, monastat. But also people shit. with uterus, right? So just in general. Yeah, so, so that trans men, trans I feel man, like, would, right. would, uh, would think of it as an option. But a trans woman, I don't know if they would know that that's an option. I think um, the the place in Ithaca, the, the Planned Parenthood in Ithaca, is one of the leaders, I think, in trans care. Oh. Um, Maureen is, like, on a fellowship right now writing a new Planned Parenthood, like, uh, standards for care for trans people. Because I know Planned Parenthood wants to be even more and more um, up to date with that kind of stuff. And the Ithaca program is so good. And they have so many trans patients that are able to get hormones and able to get health care where they otherwise wouldn't be able to. Mm-hmm. And I think more places want to start following that kind of model. That's cool. I want to look into that because I don't know much about Ithaca. Um, I don't know that I've actually ever been. I've but not. I'm just like, how did it become such like a, a progressive area? I mean, I feel like it's always had an art like an art and music Mm -hmm. community and you might be able to speak to that a little bit and if you can't that's fine but I'm like I'm super curious now I'm like go Ithaca I don't know how it became but I know it is this one little weird bubble they call it like 10 square miles of of uh like surrounded by reality because then it's this big like kind of red upstate New York more farmland upstate New York is redder than I knew until I went up there and saw confederate flags or like central New York I guess technically but yeah that whole area is like 
kind of the upstate New York Bible Belt, and yeah. then you hit Ithaca, and it's like we're queer, and it doesn't mean it's perfect, but like <laughs> there's all it's a lot more progressive than the majority of the surrounding area. Mm-hmm. So it is this nice little haven that people in other places in upstate New York can come to for trans services where before it was just Syracuse. That's where I first started. Testosterone was, I had to drive an hour to like go to Syracuse to get it. And that's, I mean, a short drive. Some people have to drive three plus hours to get to the nearest clinic around the country. I mean, to to find someone that will give them service if they can afford it. Right. That's right. Accessibility is, yeah, that's insane. It is pretty crazy. Um, So, so you did two, you did two iterations Mm -hmm. of, the play and now you're what are you working on it now like what are you revamping um i kind of reorchestrated the whole show basically um when i got when you say reorchestrated you mean uh basically like like fixing the fixing the musical arrangements like i may are making them better essentially okay (laughs) i cut the marimba from the show because i decided it wasn't editing anything um, I spent a few years. What's a marimba? A marimba case? is like a large xyro- xylophone. Ooh. It goes very low oh. and very high. I know and, what that is. Yeah. And I like the sound of it, but I, as I became a stronger writer for piano and guitar, I found that a lot of this, it, it, it was filling in. It was basically just doubling what other instruments were doing for like a timbrel you know so it would sound a different way but now I feel so confident about the other parts that I don't think it was adding anything so I cut that instrument kudos to you because like in art people sometimes people don't what I call kill their babies yeah and you had a baby and that baby didn't have a purpose after a while it so did. you killed your baby it didn't and, and I also had a, a hard time thinking about um high schools and independent theaters who maybe not might not have this instrument yeah, and, or or not be able to transport it. And then say, if you don't have an auditorium and you have to go somewhere else, how are you going to bring the marimba? I don't want you to not do the show because they're like, we need a van for the marimba and we can't afford a van for the marimba. Like, So I'm like, let's just cut it. And instead I'll be a better writer. <laughs> right. You're like, no, I can, I can, I can do better. On I can this write end. without a marimba. I can write without a marimba. It doesn't mean I hate the marimba. It just means that it wasn't right for the show. I am writing that down. Cause I want that to be a hashtag. <laughs> I can write without a marimba. Yeah. I can write so, you, without. so you cut the marimba. You're making the music better. Uh, yeah. Basically, uh, especially piano. I'm, uh, my first instrument was trumpet and my main instrument now is guitar. Okay. I did have to take piano lessons in college, but Ithaca, the music school is pretty classically focused. So unfortunately, not unfortunately, I feel bad, like, I don't want to shit talk, but um, they f- they make you do basically three years of classical music, classical and, like, contemporary concert music, whereas someone that is on a musical theater track, I would be in a much better place if I could do, like, musical theater accompaniment on mm, piano, mm-hmm. which I can't. So now, I you know, I've been yeah. practicing more piano as I'm, as I'm delving more back into this world, and learning from other musicians and, you know, having my friends look at stuff and be like, does this look playable? Like what, what would you change? What would you want to see differently? And then try to help write to a more conventional standard than just what is immediately coming out of my brain, which might not be the best thing for a certain instrument. Yeah. And also I never thought about that either. You have to think about the musical skills of high school students or the resources they might have to outsource musicians. Right. Right. Yeah. So I, I'm assuming that like music directors are probably going to be outsourced, so the piano part can be a little more complex. Yeah. Um, but I want to make sure that it's still doable by high schoolers, and not like I love Sondheim, and I also, but I also don't want to make it so Sondheim that people are like, I can't. This is there's too much. There's too much going on in yeah. here. Yeah. Um, quick sidebar. Uh, so if you had to choose between Sondheim and Andrew Lloyd Webber, Sondheim, obviously it's, that's the great I mean, divide. I mean, I is it a divide? Too. Oh, I guess it is. It is. And like, I was going to say most of the musical theater people that I know always say Sondheim, yeah. but once in a while you'll get an Andrew Lloyd Webber. He's too over the top. My, my big problem with it, and I love Phantom of the Opera, but when I got older, I'm like, Phantom of the Opera is about four songs that he just keeps yeah. putting in different settings. All like over. And it was the first musical I ever saw. And so it will always have a special place yeah. in my heart. What was the first musical you ever saw? I think the first one I ever saw was actually like the Disney's Beauty and the Beast on stage. I fucking love Beauty and the Beast. Um, it was always my favorite Disney that show. informed my sexuality a lot. <laughs> That musical or just the Disney movie? Just the Beast. 
<laughs> I was like sapiosexual, like a book. <laughs> like, like big, no, the beast. Burly, <laughs> like has very masculine whatever, but then this like tender flower that he has to tend to. That's so funny. And long hair. At the end. I think you need to talk about that in therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I, need get, I need to get my ass you in therapy. To deconstruct like, that shit. ASAP. Oh my god. Um, just Ooh. shout out to my friend Pat, who was a child star. He was Chip in the Broadway production really? of Ooh. Beauty and the Beast. And I saw it. That was one of the other musicals that I saw. You saw him as I a kid? I saw him. And then when I went to TCNJ to uh, visit for a day, I ended up being in his French class. And so the universe just kept trying to bring us back together. And we're still good friends to this oh. day. We kind of stole your answer, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> But you also stole my moment. I was talking about my first musical, and Louisa was like, move over. The guest is priority. Um, Whatever. Uh, Stop minimizing my feelings. That's what I'm here for. Um, (laughs) That's all going to get cut. So you saw Beauty and the Beast was your first musical? Yes, my um at the Bushnell. I'm from originally from like southeastern Connecticut. Okay. And my mom actually is a theater person. She's still acting like we Wait, were just how on the were you? I must have been eight or ten or something. I had seen other performances because my mom is a theater person, but I think my first like we went to the Bushnell and, and saw a full play. That was, you remember that, that had like I an remember. impact on I you. I was so this is how you know I was into it. I literally wore I intentionally wore a dress. I hate a dress. Like I had to be bribed for my first communion to wear a dress. I'm also not religious anymore. But at the time, they were like, "We'll buy you this rare beanie baby if you wear a fucking dress for." They didn't say fucking because we were not swearing. <laughs> if you wear a dress, we'll buy you Valentino the baby beanie baby. Oh, that's a big deal. Which was rare at the time. I was like, fine. So I was not pro dress. But I was like, I want to be Belle. So I, I literally wore the blue dress with like a, like a white thermal shirt underneath. Oh, my God. It didn't have anything frilly. But I was I, I loved Belle. I was like, oh, she's so smart. Really? She, gets what, she does what she wants. She's, she's the shit. independent. She is, yeah, I, I was Belle. very pro Belle. And then a lot. I love all the extra songs that they have in extra. I mean, extra from the original yes. animation. Yeah. Home mm-hmm. is a beautiful song. And actually, the act one finale, If I Can't Love Her, is one of the shows, the songs that I studied when I was writing my musical as far as, like, this is a great act one closer. What is happening musically? How can I learn from like this work that precedes what I'm doing and Ooh. and learn from it as I'm writing my thing? And what what were your if you can remember now? What were some of the big takeaways from studying that? Like in terms of like that you incorporated into writing? Prob. Uh, I guess one would probably be like um, the ra- the vocal range shift. Okay. Obviously, like as you're getting more tense or more excited pitch tends to go up rather than down. Um, So starting in a lower register and then shifting towards the top of her register towards the end of the song. Um, That's probably one of the the bigger things I took from that show. And then stuff about the chord progression and different kinds of chords that um, show more strain or conflict rather than like harmony yeah 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 for lack of better yeah i mean that's a musical term but also right like so it's yeah most people know what harmony means i hope so yeah i'm gonna geek out for a second because there's like weird um hippie shit i don't even know what it's called really um but where we're like you know they'll say like certain notes or certain tones because it does affect your brain chemistry hearing different things Mm -hmm. um and i heard a quote from a director once who said that uh because i did I did theater acting. Um, he said, just not music, not musical, not singing, putting that on the record. Um, <laughs> no singing. But Lisa's your voice, baby cries when she sings. Oh. He really does. Um, I have videos. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but when you, you're using your voice on stage, your voice is the only thing that's physically touching the audience because mm. it physically touches their eardrums, their eardrums vibrate and it affects their brain chemistry. So the, the the work you're doing on finding the right sounds and right combinations of sounds to create the right emotion i've always found that to be like incomprehensibly amazing because how do you do that do you just like sit there and tinker do you i mean i guess there's a lot of study already done it's a combo it's a combination of a lot i guess uh, and as I'm writing, starting to write my next musical, it's been an interesting process, like remembering how I did it in college. And then as I've learned more, both through uh, like my final year of college, because I, I wrote it as a junior, and then also my years of self-study and self-editing, um, 
I think a lot of the way that I write music, both as a singer songwriter and for musical theater is like, I hear it in my head. I usually hear lyrics and the melody first, but then sometimes the melody needs to change. And I think one of the bigger things that one of the reasons I reorchestrated a lot is there are, were places that the melodies needed to change or the, the chords. I wasn't, confident enough with my writing ability I wasn't writing as complex chords to support like the full emotion of what I'm trying to convey and I also did some lyric rewrites but um yeah it uh, for me it's a lot of setting the melody and the lyrics to a chord progression that is both makes sense for the world that you're creating and also supports the melody and the emotion that's being conveyed so there's a certain amount of just like connecting to your truth when I hear this sound what do I feel yeah, yeah, and 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 stuff like, and then basic stuff like text painting. We call where like if you're talking about the sun rising, you're probably rising. You're like the pitch is probably going up. If you're talking about like, oh. uh, there was oddly a lyric that um, that I changed. There's a song called Royal Treatment where one of the princesses is talking about like all her past escapades with women in her in the, her original home kingdom that were kind of they kind of didn't wow. mind that she was gay there yeah, that's and hot <laughs> so she's like kind of bragging about it to her bodyguards that come with her and there was a lyric that i had originally wrote, written we went up to the stables and i'll happily admit it was a perfect place for loving but it kind of felt like the next location and i don't swear because children just in case just in case and i also thought it was funny but um I, now then I changed it to we went down to the stables and so originally the the lyric the melody went we went up to the stables and I changed it to we went down to the state which I felt like sits a little more mm, in yeah. the sexiness of it also in like female aggressive sexuality right yeah mm-hmm. it, it makes a lot more sense yeah both for her and and the melody to shift like that so I did a lot of edits that after reading these two Sondheim lyric writing books and uh, called finishing the hat and look I made a hat those were like tech those are like textbook to me at this point but just goes over his show chronology chronolo- chronologically goes over the shows he's written oh, wow. and lyrically and um, he really goes into how he writes lyrics and that helped me edit a lot of my work in a way that I never got in college that's super in- how did you come across those books I got one as a graduation gift from Aww. college and then I didn't read it because I was like, I'm getting work on my music. And then I was like, never mind, I'm going back to this. So, <laughs> and then I finished, I ate up the first one and just ordered the, the second one uh, several months ago. So, what, what would, here's a question What would be your definition of success for this project? For this project, if people, if, if schools and independent theaters were actively purchasing the, the performance rights or putting in requests to have it, funded to be put on and it has a life I don't want I don't want to like workshop it and, and like have it put on in New York I'm like ready to write a new work to do to follow that path but for me I think this show lives in younger people's storytelling and younger people getting to act out like no like these LGBT people are the princesses and are like the protagonists of their own story and they're not a, a side character and they're not built on stereotypes and um, to have it live that way mm-hmm. through younger people who are telling the stories. You, you want adolescents to connect and participate yes. in your art. Yeah, that rather than hope success. their mom takes them to New York to see the show. Right. Oh, yeah. So now in the current production, um, I was going to say, because there is a current production. Yes, okay, yes. Okay, so there's people involved. Um, when you were, so did you have any kind of like um, hand in selecting the cast? Also, was it super important to you to include people that are queer and trans in it? Yes. Um, So I've always kind of been doing casting and like picking the pit and stuff. And a lot of it is people who a lot of of Ithaca people who really loved the show and wanted to be involved again or who know each other. We know each other through Ithaca people because it they've never seen it. Otherwise, how would they know what it is? Um, But right now on the demo recording, the two of the princesses, it's also important for me to hire um, trans and LGBT people and it's also uh, important for me to hire uh, people of color as well and I think my biggest the biggest problem with the first show of it was it was I think almost everybody except in the second show was white and part of it is Ithaca is white white thank you I wanted to go there I know I'm so glad it's you did. correct it's very white and we can't get around that and we are white but we try to support people I, that I try to be more white than white but I can't help it sometimes <laughs> it's true and also part of it was 
uh, people who are available in college, like if you're already in the main stage opera, you're probably not going to have time to do my show. Um, and yeah. also probably don't have time to commit 15 hours a week to my show for free. Mm-hmm. So part of it was who was willing to do it in college. So now that I have, now that we have this budget from Planned Parenthood and I can offer performers and musicians. And you're in New York City. And I'm in New York City. It's a lot easier to, to cast and hire the way that I want to in the way that everybody should be doing. So both of our princesses um, are women of color. Our music director is a trans woman. We have other trans and LGB people in the pit and on, in the cast. And um, I'm excited for it to be like the gay Brandy Cinderella production. Um, <laughs> I just, Which, that's awesome. Gay Brandy Cinderella. Like that makes base, my heart yeah. so happy. <laughs> but gay also, Cinderella. That would be a very different story. Anyways. It'd yes. probably be better. Also, I love yeah. Brandy Cinderella. I love it's it. It's the best one. Obviously. Yeah, but I'm like, gay Cinderella, if it was a princess charming and this bitch is like, I gotta go, she'd be like, okay, do you need a car? Like, yeah. She wouldn't can I help hunt you? her down. Where do you live? And then and then also if she like ran away, she'd be like, well, she probably isn't into this. I'm not gonna go like run after her. Also like, here's some extra story. shoes. Here's I have, some. Right? Like, yeah, do you need a dress? Like, we look can do that. Right, why are your feet, your poor feet? <laughs> <laughs> is it your period? I have tampons. <laughs> so that's the next show I'm going to write clearly. Is obviously yes. gay Brandy Cinderella. Gay Cinderella. Just shout out to the fact that we are recording today on the bi- National Bi Visibility Day. Like you might as well celebrate today. Right. I might write. <laughs> like, I don't get recognized the majority of the time because I'm just the default is that like, oh, well, she likes dick. So that's what, that's what I matters. I do like dick. It's, it's a okay. problem. <laughs> I, I technically identify as queer as well, but then I always end up dating women, so it's more like right. That's my thing. I'm queer, but then I but I also really like feminine men. Yep. Yeah. Anyways. It's okay. You know, live your truth. Identity is complex. So, um, going back to something that we talked about when we uh, talked to you on the phone before we uh, started recording um, was just the idea. So it's like. Uh, having artists get paid for their work. Yes. And now that you have been in a place where you have started to turn down unpaid things. Yes. uh, Let's hear a little bit about what that's been like for you. (laughs) And then also it's just cool to hear you then recognize like, hey, like this is my, this is my baby. This is my project. But now you have funding and you can pay people and that has changed the game a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think when I moved here, it was very much like anytime anybody wants me to do anything, it's my opportunity and I've got to take it. And sometimes it is the case, and, and you take something that's either underpaid or not paid because the exposure will be good. But then how, like, you have to start asking questions like... What is the exposure? What is the is exposure? Is the exposure worth my time? Exactly. And then I also want to make sure that anything that people are doing for me is going to be worth their time as well. And I guess in, you know, gigging on my own music and taking on shows where you're probably not going to make a profit or it's more stress than it's worth or stuff for people who don't have a budget and it's not going to be reaching people that it's going to be beneficial to. Mm -hmm. Cause there's a difference I think between donating your your time for education, which I do also plenty of, but um, I've had requests to do stuff that is very intense, like intense educational, emotional labor on trans issues that is either unpaid or like sometimes people want, like one time somebody wanted me to pay them to be on their podcast. And I was like, no, I don't, I'm, that's not going to work for me. I'm like best wishes. But like most times you should be hiring a trans educator to do this. Also because if you look at like, like, yeah, we say that women make 70 cents on the dollar. That's white women. And then women of color make, what is it? 60, oh, 55. Right. And then, trans women right even it's like you're gonna ask a trans person to pay you right and i think you know if someone i would i will happily donate my time especially as someone who has like male privilege who has quote passing privilege passing is a whole nother conversation but like someone who is read as a cis man pretty like predominantly throughout life but the i even wrote down a statistic here yeah the um the trans unemployment rate is three times higher than the national a- average, mm-hmm. and three like in thirty states you can still be fired for being trans as of two thousand seventeen at least the statistics that I looked up. But um, so 
I, I'm very lucky to have a job, and it's part of why I've been at the same job for so many years because it does have a non-discrimination policy, which is awesome, uh, and access to healthcare. And but when you're trans, you have to like kind of keep all of that in mind. So I was like, you know, I don't think now. Now I'm kind of deviating from the original question, but it doesn't matter. This is important. What to was talk about. What was the original question? Uh, doing unpaid work. Oh, okay. <laughs> <I was laughs> like, this what? stuff matters, and like we're yeah. happy to bring attention to well, it. Well, and so. I'm sure that also factors into your experience of doing unpaid work, right? So. And I have done, like, I've done panels where I've been paid, like, I, I put together for a couple colleges, I've spoken at panels where, and, like, sometimes I'll also sing or, like, perform at the end. Um, and those are usually put on by, con- like, a conference or a college where they do have some sort of budget. Even, even if it's only, like, $100 or $50, that's fine. I'm, and I'm happy to donate my time if it's going to, somebody's going to come out at the end of the day but it's because I'm white and because I have male privilege so I'm like let's not I, I'm happy to donate my time if it's if it's going to be like in exchange for underpaying or not paying somebody else that doesn't have the privileges I have but I also have to value myself and my time as well and I think that creating work like this and like the shows that I'm um, kind of planning right now is a better use of my time and skill than just saying yes to every single thing that comes across the table because yeah. not always the most beneficial also like kudos to you for just being in that place because that means that you've been working really hard <laughs> i i am trying to work very hard i think i work pretty hard but yeah there's um because i've seen a lot of friends of mine try to make that jump between you know doing what they can what they can find and then there's there's this little period of time little or long period of time where they say hey you know what i'm at a place now I'm only taking work that's paid even at a certain like caliber. Like right. maybe they're only taking like big production house work or maybe, you know, like whatever their criteria has become and it can be really stressful. I've seen them go through like six month periods, year periods where it's like, it's dry. Right. And what do they do? Because they said they're not taking unpaid work. Yeah. Have you experienced anything no, honestly, because I've had to have health care, like, I stay with a, a day job. Yeah. But my day job is 6 a.m. to 2 p.m., and then I commute home. Oh, you have plenty of time to, And yeah. then I work from, like, 3.30 or 4 to 10 at home on my stuff. So I, I still, I kind of still have time to do two day jobs a day, mm-hmm. and one is my passion, and one makes sure that I can pay my bills and have health care. That's great. For now. For now. <laughs> yeah. That's a good that's a good setup. But that's also uh, just an important thing to note too, right? Is that it's like so for someone who is transitioning or wants to transition, healthcare is a huge priority and that's a pr- like so having healthcare is a privilege in this country number one. Right. It's not a right, which is a fucking shame and I say right. that as a member of the healthcare profession. Right. Number two, that's a whole other level. It's like someone like me who is cis identifying, like I can go for periods of time without health insurance. Like, I mean, yes, I could get fined by the government, but like I I can do it because I don't require, you know what I mean? Like I don't require um, hormones. I don't require, you know? So it's just, it's interesting to think about that layer. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's definitely something people forget about. What Like, like, oh, why don't you just quit your day job? And like, you can take on the the projects. I'm like, e- I, I, yeah, but like, <laughs> I mean, the health the healthcare caveat, I yeah. now has gives me four months of hormones at a time, which is great. Um, and so in theory, I could wait until right after I re up and then quit and then scramble and then hope I make enough. But the blood work is where it comes. Like the mm-hmm. the testosterone itself is not out of this world expensive, but it would be way more to pay for um vial by vial than it is you know what i'm paying right now but then the blood work i mean even after insurance usually costs a few hundred dollars yeah wow and they make you do that um that's like i'm not like take my blood it'll be fun like they they want to you know monitor your your hormone levels and your everything levels so i always know i'm very healthy but like why why does it cost so much to do is it specific because it's for that reason that i don't think so i think i mean kayla you might know more about yeah. like why it's charged like that for me but i it, i know that the more things they test and it seems to cost more i it shouldn't cost i mean like not it shouldn't but in general like routine lab work sh- it might not. have been under my mom's insurance it might uh, be like that that i'm looking at but yes. i also haven't had it i haven't had to get blood work in a while okay okay so, that, but i I'm, remember at the time i was like 300 dollars just for you to take my blood which you required me to do and how often was the blood work it, it's supposed to be like by 
I or what twi- twice a year? Once twice a year. year. So biannually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause I, I get, I get blood work done mm, all the fucking time yeah. uh, just for my thyroid stuff and I'm never charged. Right. So that's why I think it's an insurance specific. It must be insurance specific. Also insurance specific bullshit. Yeah. So that's what I'm like. What's the difference between my hormones for my thyroid and someone's hormones for their transition? And nothing. It, what's the difference? Nothing. It just comes down to which independent company. It's just how they somebody decided that, oh, your thyroid is a quote unquote normal health concern. Right. And your transition is a quote unquote optional. Right. Like an elective concern. thing that yeah. you're choosing to do, which is. Obviously, like all trans people can decide whether hormones or or surgery is right for them. Everyone with a thyroid disorder can decide (laughs) if they want to take the pills or not. Right. I chose not to be on oral contraceptive anymore. Also hormones. Right. It's all the same shenanigans. It's just that we are doing different things for different reasons because of our different bodies and health conditions. I'm shaking my head aggressively. (laughs) So clearly, healthcare should be all right. And trans health care is one of those things that should be right. It should be included. Alrighty, welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Mr. Will. Yeah, Mr. Will Shishmanian. Shishmanian. He's a manian. What? No? Is that that a new... I just like that joke, and I've been thinking of it in my head for a while. You tried it. You tried it. Yeah, so as usual, we have a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of links for y'all. <laughs> you should have been an auctioneer. Maybe you could still be an auctioneer. I can do whatever the fuck I want, Caitlin. And you should. I support you. 100%. Auction off my... Say it. I was going to say auction off my pussy, but I don't, I'm not going to do that. Don't. That's all right. <laughs> no, that's okay. No, no. Yay. Anyway, moving on. So uh, the... What is it? Will's uh, the first... Um, I don't know what you would say. The first concert yeah, you can hear the music for yeah. Will's show is coming up. They're having a concert uh, at 7.30 on January 14th at the Secret Theater in Long Island City. There's a link to the Facebook event that we'll include in the show notes. And if you're interested in the show in general, um, we, what is it going to say? There's, that link will take you there. It's Addie and Dahlia, a fairy tale musical. Yeah. Beautiful love story right um, so there. So let's talk about these show notes. So first off, we're going to get some links to the female Renaissance painters mm-hmm. um, that and we spoke about. Yeah. And uh, also Domina Franco, where we, we originally saw that post. She is a sex therapist. She is somebody that uh, we both follow on Instagram. Yeah, and we, I have a total Instagram crush on. Uh, and I kind of, yeah. I'm glad you're owning that. I, I totally have an Instagram crush on her. So we'll put a link to her Instagram on there as well. Yeah, she has some really great content. She's in school um, to get her master's, I believe. Oh, that's in, right. Um, sex ed, which is great. Um, oh, so we're also going to have a link to the Planned Parenthood Out for Health program, which is producing Will's musical. Um, as well as a link to the Bushnell Theater in Connecticut. Uh, yeah, where Will saw his first musical. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, we're going to have a link to the Sondheim songwriting books, Finishing the Hat, and I Look, I Made a Hat. And, you know, maybe some more info on the debate between Andrew Lloyd Webber and Sondheim. This is how you know I grew up with a lot of theater kids. Not as many as Louisa, but I've heard that debate so many times. Yeah, I grew up with the pretentious theater crowd, though, not the musical theater crowd. Oh, I mean, there's also pretentious musical theater people. Yeah, I just look at them as nerds <laughs> because I'm that much more pretentious. So. Wow. Wow. There's some shade happening. Um, what else? Oh, we're going to have some links uh, from Will uh, to yeah, various his webs- works and His writings. own website, yes. his own music. Um his social media. Oh, yeah. One thing I'm really excited to jump into is the Texas crime of passion laws. Mm-hmm. Um, I might even try to find the YouTube of the news story when it broke Ooh. about this doctor. It used to exist. I think it may have gotten pulled. Um, but when he first came to my old hospital, uh, we all found that on the Internet. So oh we were so excited. God. Hope I can find it for you guys. I really want to know, like, where that law came from. Yeah. Like, what was the origin and how often has it been, like, honored? Oh, my God. This could get really interesting, like, just in terms of, like, oh, that could be a whole... We should do a whole other episode on guns in the United States because, like, it really varies by region, but a lot of that varies by who settled that region and why. Like, the history of why certain parts of the country... Yeah, but that's a whole other political thing. It also sounds really kind of fucked up. Is that that also have to do with things like um, genocide? 
and not to my knowledge but i know what was i gonna say like it's um so part of it's like west virginia for example was settled by um certain uh immigrant populations from ireland and scotland Mm -hmm. where like a big part of it was really a big part of their culture was really important to protect your herd and so like you were very much like on your own and so having your own ways of protecting your herd was super important so like that's why like it's been passed down for generations and generations like you need to be able to self-protect yeah does that make sense yeah but I'll, you know what? Maybe I'll throw that in there. I'll find yeah, that article. We'll find it. We'll find some stuff. Um, also, my friend Pat, um, he's not working on anything at the moment. He is a um, a radio Pat who played Chip in Chip the production in of Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast that you saw Broadway. as a child. Yes, the very first and one. And you're friends with him now. And we're still so friends. weird. He's wonderful. Um, I don't think I'm gonna. Be, I don't think he's working on anything in particular. But maybe I'll link to the. Uh, radio announcing work he does yeah whatever he's up to we might as well sure why not throw that in there um oh yeah and uh i'll put some information about hippie shit for sound tones i don't think we really got into it in the episode but uh they're called sound baths is Mm. one term that i've heard of and uh the theory is that certain sounds certain vibrations certain frequencies uh, will affect your brain chemistry So it can, you know, help get you out of a funk or help keep you feeling a certain way or change whatever, whatever, whatever. Whatever. I was just telling Louisa that at a leadership um, conference that I was just part of for work, um, we had someone who specializes in sound-based meditation Mm -hmm. come and play different like frequencies for us and it was super cool and i i love a hippie as fuck yoga studio that will do the sound bowls after it was awesome Uh, especially if they'll like if they have smaller ones and they'll like walk near you so you can feel the vibration or if you if you if i see there's a big one in a classroom i'll go try to get at the front of the class so that at the end in <laughs> shavasana i can be like yum 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 um, get all those sound waves we're also going to find some um statistics about the wage gap for trans people as well as the unemployment rate mm-hmm. um and possibly about where is it legal to fi- to fire someone for being trans yes. yeah um oh yeah fines for no health insurance we're gonna get some links to that we're not sure if they still exist or not if you still get fined yeah there was a court case uh recently i want to say in Texas regarding uh, this, I'll, I'll, again, Texas, this is a theme this week. Um, we'll, we'll dig into that. I'll find it for you. Yeah. And then links to blood monitoring info and recommendations for monitoring your hormones. Right. If you're taking any kind of um, supplemental, not even supplemental, but just hormone replacement therapy mm-hmm. of any kind or yeah. just hormone therapy of any kind. I just also re-listening that episode, this last episode that we just, just played for you just now. Um, I... I just thought it was interesting that, oh, wow, there's three of us sitting here that all are taking or not taking or changing our hormone intake yeah. for very, very different reasons. Right. It's it's kind of a weird thing. And we just, especially when it comes to um, birth control for women, mm-hmm. it's like, that's just considered like the norm now. Yeah. And then I was watching Big Mouth last night. Uh-huh. Season two. Sorry if this is a spoiler for anybody. <gasps> spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Season two. Big Mouth. Um, I don't think anybody cares about the plot of that show. Um, it's a great show, but they might, they uh, might, you never know. But you know, you realize that there's all these different kinds of hormone monsters and that the hormone monster you have might not be a good fit for you. And yeah. like they're switching out their hormone monsters and the depression kitty. Oh my goodness. It's an interesting thing. Anyways. Yeah. That sounds awesome. I fell asleep in the middle of that episode. So I got to rewatch it. Yeah. Go back to it. Um, all so those anyway. Oreos made me knock out. All right. Oh, Oreos are good. Was it the oh. Trader Joe's? No, I actually like those better than Oreos, though, which is weird, right? But you were having real Oreos? Yeah, I had real Bodega Oreos. Nice. Yeah. So I think that's it for today. Yeah, so goodbye. We love you. And TMI to you, too. Mwah. <laughs>